to the Hope on the Hard Road podcast, where you and your family can find community, find encouragement, and find hope for the road ahead. Speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so that you will all be together in this. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 We were so honored to have this conversation with our next guest. Sherry Rempe is a mother of three boys, Owen, Taylor, and Logan. She has a master's degree in clinical social work and a special education teaching credential. She currently teaches high school special education, specializing in students with autism and emotional disturbance. At age seven, her son Taylor was diagnosed with leukemia. He went through three years of chemotherapy. It was a difficult time for her family, and she relied on her relationship with God and the support of a group of friends at church to help her through this difficult time. Let's listen to Sherry's story. Hey, Sherry, we are so glad you're here today with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is exciting because we are not only interviewing you, but we have a friendship with you and your husband, Clay, and we're just so excited to be able to talk through your story and to be able to share that with families that are listening. Yeah, you're welcome. I I hope it helps. So we know you guys, uh, you know, going to church together, but I I know our listeners don't know much about you. So uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Okay, um, so my name is Sherry Rumpy, and I um, have three boys. I'm married to my husband, Clay. Um, we've been married 23 years now. Um, my boys are Owen, who's 14, and Taylor is 16, and now I have Logan, who is 18. Um, and my son, Taylor, was diagnosed with leukemia when he was seven years old. Um, And he went through three years of um, chemotherapy. And one uh, blessing that came out of um, that was that um, right before he was diagnosed, I had decided to go back to school. I have a background as a psychotherapist and I have a master's degree in clinical social work. Um, So I was doing that prior to having kids, but Right before he was diagnosed, I went back to school and got my teaching credential um, as a second career. And when um, when he was diagnosed, I ended up having to homeschool all three of my boys because we spent so much time in the hospital, as I'm sure a lot of you know, um, that it affects your whole family. So I was able to homeschool my kids with my new teaching credential and I ended up starting a little school in my house where I taught 15 other kids um, from the community and um, they were in a room in my house and I taught them all day long and it allowed my kids to have support and fellowship with other kids. And um, Taylor could be up in his room sick or, or anything, and I could be right there working in the same house while he was uh, not feeling well. So that um, the actual little school that I had in my house is what led me to get my special education credential, um, because I realized that a lot of the moms that were coming to me with their kids, their kids had special needs, and that was what was making it so hard for them to homeschool. 
So I went back and got my special education credential, and that not only helped me to meet the needs of other kids, but due to some of the treatments that my son had, he ended up having special needs um, in school and had an IEP for a while. And then um, my other son, my youngest son, who was kind of left behind while we were in the hospital with Taylor also um, ended up having some getting behind in school and having some learning disabilities. So it helped both of them. Yeah. That's amazing how God works all those details together. Yeah, I remember yeah. that small little school that you had in your home. That was, it was beautiful. It was yeah. great. Setup. You know, Sherry, can you share with us the story of when Taylor was diagnosed and, and how that all occurred? Sure. So, um, all three of my boys have been in swim team since they were young. We didn't get them swim lessons. We just kind of threw them in the pool and, and asked them, you know, Hey, try swim team. And, and the coach really worked with them to learn how to swim that way. So um, they were doing swim team. And like I said, Taylor was about seven years old and he kept getting out of the water every few minutes saying he was really tired and he couldn't go on. And now I feel really bad about this, but my husband and I were like, get back in the water. You can't get out right now. You're being lazy. And it progressed to where we were grocery shopping. And he's like, I can't make it down the end of the aisle. I got to take a time out. And, and we continued to push him and say, you know, no, you have to do this until one day he was really pale and he was just like, it just don't feel good. He was just laying around, not doing very much. And I just had a gut instinct to take him to the doctor. He didn't have a stomach ache. He didn't have a sore throat, but I was like, well, he just doesn't look right. And he's not feeling well. So I took him to the pediatrician and she called me later in the day after doing blood work and said, you need to take him to the ER to have some blood because his, his blood count is really low. So um, we took him to the ER at Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego. And um, we said, we're here to get him some blood. His numbers are low. And they did some more testing there. And then probably about at two o'clock in the morning, um, after he had had a blood transfusion, they said, well, you're going to have to stay overnight. And they wheeled us past the sign that said oncology department. <laughs> and my husband and I were like, we're in the wrong part. You, you took a wrong turn. This is not us. And they were like, well, we want you to stay here until we run some more tests. So it was over the weekend. And by Monday, they said, um, we're going to do a bone marrow sample to see what's going on. And it came back as leukemia um, and he had three years of treatment, um, three years of chemotherapy after that. And um, let's see, he, he had about eight blood transfusions during that time. And luckily we had people really supportive in church and they were going to a Christian school at the time. And um, one guy was a firefighter that we knew he donated blood and, and Taylor felt like a strong firefighter whenever he got his blood and he, he donated platelets to Taylor also. And um, so that was kind of how he was diagnosed. And then we stayed in and out of the hospital for three years after that uh, for different times. 
Wow. It's just such a challenging story. And, you know, uh, so identify here you are in the hospital and you're like, um, oncology, that's, that's, that's not us. And, uh, I, I know for so many of our listeners at some point in along their journey with kids, they, they come across with this diagnosis and then it becomes, okay, this is real. And how do we go through processing this, accepting it and, and moving forward? Yeah. So it was different for each of us. Um, Clay kind of had a lot of anger um, when when it happened. I remember this one organization um, comes and gives you a shirt to that pulls aside so that you can access his port that will be put in later for him to get chemotherapy. And Clay threw it back at the lady and said, we're not getting one of those. He doesn't need a port. Um, so, and it also, um, he was angry at God a lot during it, um, whereas, and it really caused a separation between him and God. Then I kind of had this overwhelming sense of strength during this, where I was running around taking care of relatives who were coming in to Clay's parents came to stay for a while. My parents were here and I didn't break down. I kind of just felt numb, but going a hundred percent during the whole thing. Um, I remember I did break down a few times in the hospital because Taylor um, hated having his port access. They basically stick a very large needle in his chest every time he had to have chemotherapy. And sometimes it took seven or eight nurses to hold him down to get it done. And I started crying and a nurse um, that was at Rady Children's pulled me aside and said, you know, you have to be strong for him. You can't cry in front of him, <laughs> things like that. And I don't know, her words really spoke to me. Like Taylor does is going through so much. He doesn't need to see me um, breaking down like that in front of him. And that kind of added to my strength um, during that time. Um, we leaned heavily on our Sunday school class at Emmanuel Faith. Um, I know you guys were part of that also, but they held prayer walks for Taylor while he was in the hospital. I always thought I'm not going to take meals from people <laughs> for a long period of time, but we really, really needed that. And it helped so much. So I definitely recommend if you're going through something like that lean on other people and don't feel bad about it. We've had a lot of opportunity to give back since then. So I think that's an important thing to remember. Mm -hmm. Mm. You know, I so identify with that, Sherry, because Eric and I went through our processing of Abby's diagnosis differently. And I struggled with anger and in particular anger towards God. And that's a part of our story and coming out the other side of that. And, um, also just, you know, that's great advice at the end there talking about allowing others to reach out and help and support because they're being blessed in doing that as well. And, um, it just takes a load off of the family as they're going through something and it's just so, so needed. So that's great advice. So Sherry, how did it affect your other children and your family dynamics? So that is 
uh, probably the biggest thing that we didn't think of when we first started going through the diagnosis. Um, but Taylor was getting loads of presents from my husband's employer, like literally flatbed carts full of Legos. Everyone was bringing him gifts all the time. And he had a make-a-wish trip. Um, and my other kids started wishing they had leukemia also because they wanted, you know, the attention and all the gifts and things like that. Um, and it really affected my youngest son, Owen, who was in kindergarten at the time. And he started falling behind in kindergarten. Usually we had made a big effort to teach our kids to read before they went to school and, and things like this. And he just got left behind. He luckily we had family in the area to help the boys, but we were spending a lot of time in the hospital, practically living there. And he wasn't able to keep up. Um, my oldest son didn't really show it that much, but he, he was left out big time. Um, one thing that we found pretty soon after Taylor was diagnosed within the first year was an organization um, called the Shawnee Foundation. And they make a big emphasis on um, helping the siblings of kids with cancer and parents with cancer. Um, so they had special camps that the other two got to go to. They had, and they have a separate one for the, the cancer kids as well. So that has played a huge part for us. They had other siblings going through the same thing that they were able to talk to them about. Um, and uh, they still go there today. So, you know, they're, my oldest is 18 and they've gone almost every year since my son was age seven. So um, it plays a huge part. I think it's really important to find an organization or some type of support for siblings because they get left out and it's just affecting them in a lot of ways. Um, we actually went through a couple of family therapy sessions, which mm -hmm. nobody really liked, actually. It, we tried, um, but we went to some family camps together where we were able to process it together. So I think that helps a lot. That is so neat. Yeah, I love that there's an organization there to help with those specific needs. Um, one of the big challenges I know you guys have had is extended uh, medical stays, hospital stays, and that puts a lot of stress on the family. So how did you guys deal with that added stress uh, for all your family members? Well, um, I think that Rady Children's became our second home. It became a place from which was initially a place of fear and what is going on and this horrible diagnosis to a place where we felt at home. We knew the doctors, we knew um, the staff there, the nurses, and I think that helped a lot. And they are, I think, bringing your other kids, no matter what age they are, into that setting with your child and letting them know it's not as scary as it seems. It can be, it can be a fun place, actually. I mean, he had dogs come to visit him. They had a cool teen room. They had, uh, all of us got together and played games with other kids that were there in the uh, recreation room. 
it, it's a place that you shouldn't fear bringing your other kids to. I think it, it became a very special place to all of us and a place where we weren't afraid to be in a place where we felt safe and that Taylor was going to get better and, and it helped all of us. Mm-hmm. So just bringing them into that situation instead of kind of keeping them on the side is, is a big thing for us. Yeah. So how did you balance the needs of caregiving with work and family and self-care? So, um, like I said before, I kind of made my work fit into my setting. That's when I started the little school for the other kids that were, uh, you know, needing some extra support. So I created a job for myself. I got a business license. I, I was able to, I think helping to give back to other families helped me. So not only was I able to be with Taylor when he was sick and my other kids not leaving them behind, um, I was able to kind of give back to the other families in a way that helped me a lot as well as helped them. So um, that's how I balanced it. I think um, for Clay, his job, um, he was able to have a really supportive environment and we alternated staying at the hospital. We had both of our parents also staying there. One thing that really broke our heart was that when we went to the hospital, we would see some kids that never had anyone there with them. And I think that played a big part for Taylor is always having someone there. We made shifts so that we were able to always have someone there with him. And then we really um, focused on our other kids at home when, when we were with them doing special things with them and such. Mm -hmm. Wow. I really admire you kind of took your entire family on your shoulders. And yet at some point you got to feel like, Hey, you got to take care of yourself. So, uh, what kind of things did you do to take care of yourself? So I think that's something that a lot of people, uh, overlook when they're going through something like this. And this is where my background as a psychotherapist, um, comes into play. I did a type of therapy called dialectical behavioral therapy. And one of the, it's one of the treatment styles that uh, has the most burnout for, for therapists, because uh, I treated the most severe suicidal populations and people who were really Mm self-harming. So um, I took some of the things I learned as a therapist, such as observing your limits. So I would know when I I was able to recognize when I had uh, reached my limit as far as taking care of other people and I needed some time away by myself. Um, So I think that's a big thing. Observe your limits. Um, Know when when you have had just enough that you shouldn't push anymore Um, and take some time for yourself. For me, like giving back was part of what helped me take care of myself. Um, I think if I had just been alone and, and taken too much time, just be by myself, it wouldn't have helped me very much. But, um, one other, uh, therapy technique that I used was to, uh, compare yourselves to others. So if you look at someone else who is going through a struggle, it kind of helps take the weight off of your own struggle. So um, 
that helped me a lot also. Mm-hmm. And also um, doing things that were opposite to emotion. So we call it opposite to emotion action. So if I were feeling really sad, I would go to the hospital and watch a funny movie with Taylor and it would really help. So just doing something that's completely opposite to how you're feeling, I think really helps. Yeah. I love your insight, not only as a mom, but as a therapist, that's amazing. That's going to be so helpful for a lot of people I know. So Sherry, how has this affected your family routines, vacations, holidays throughout the years? In the beginning, when Taylor was still on treatment um, for three years, it helped to take holidays based around um, things to do with cancer kids. So like I mentioned before, we had those camps and all of the uh, nurses that were really involved with Taylor from Rady Children's and a doctor, the head of the Department of Oncology would go to the camp with us. And they, um, that allows kids to still be on treatment and still have that care, not be afraid of what might happen if they're away somewhere. Um, and they, they still have that support. So during the treatment, I think that was the main thing. Um, Taylor had a lot of side effects after his treatment. He developed osteoporosis from his uh, steroid treatments and he had to go for all day IV infusions. And then still people think that when you're, when you're three years is over, you're done and everything is great, but we still have to go get his heart checked uh, for side effects from the chemo every year. And we have uh, certain things with his eyes that have to be looked at every year. So it's an ongoing thing. I would say now it doesn't affect our vacations as much. Um, but while they're on treatment, I think finding a place that has the medical support that you need while you're there really allowed us to just enjoy ourselves and not worry about what would happen if, if he had an episode or or something like that. Yeah. How do families find out about something like that? Is that through the hospital that you guys were with the children's hospital that you were with those? Yes. Yes. So um, there's actually a lot of um, support from the hospital. They have all different organizations that we're part of um, for leukemia, like the Jesse Reese Foundation and the Shawnee Foundation and the Truths 365. Um, but they're in each department of the Children's Hospital, depending on what your diagnosis is, if it's not oncology, there are tons of organizations that you can access through them and um, they'll just speak to a nurse about it and they'll help you find where you could fit in there. That's super. We'll include some of that in our show notes then. I really like the story that you've you know, been sharing uh, and, and you kind of seen how God used your professional experience to help you and long, long before you know, you walked into the circumstances, prepare you for some of this. Um, what else on your story would you like to include? And maybe also what has your family learned along the way on this journey? Um, I think that now um, with my background that I've been through with Taylor, um, with his medical diagnosis, as well as going back to get my special education credential, 
I've been able to help a lot of families um, now that I'm teaching. I teach a high school special education. So I was 12th grade this past year. And now um, we go through all four years with our students. So it allows us to build a real relationship with their families and with the students. So I'm starting over this year with ninth grade because I graduated most of my kids last year. Um, which was really special. And I'm finding that I have a real insight into helping families with either a 504 plan or an IEP and what special accommodations would help them um, depending on their diagnosis, whether it's autism or um, a, just a medical diagnosis where you only need a 504 plan. I think that that um, the insight that I've had from my personal experience has helped me relate to those families and to understand better what might help their students. Um, so that, can you repeat the second part of your question? So yeah, extending it, uh, maybe what would you want to share that your families learned through this journey? I think my whole family has learned um, to reach out for support when you need it, to um, be a strong family unit. Um, I think we depend on each other and we did then. Um, to include your kids in the experience and not uh, the, the siblings, not to put them on the side or try to protect them from it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it really helps to have a great uh, faith-based community to, to lean on when you need it. Mm -hmm. It's great advice. Yeah. So Sherry, at the end of every podcast, we like to ask this one question, which is what's one thing that you'd like to share with our listeners to help encourage them and to bring hope for the road ahead. I just would encourage you all to stick with it, to not give up to turn to God and turn to others when you need support and to try to encompass what you're going through as a family unit. Um, don't try to take it on alone and uh, include everyone in, in going through this experience. And it can be a positive experience, which seems difficult to say when you're talking about a kid with three years of chemotherapy and leukemia, but mm it has brought a lot of good to us um, as a family being closer together and, and leaning on other people and developing relationships with them. Oh, Sherry, thank you so much for coming. This was amazing. It's really just been so much fun to get to talk to you. You know, we're able to see you here on zoom. No one else is on the podcast, but to be able to be um, listening to your story and to hear what all you guys have been through and how God has worked with you in that. Um, and I just think a lot of what you've shared is so insightful and it's going to be so helpful for so many families. So thanks for coming. Thanks. Thank you for having me. You bet. Resources and contact information for today's podcast will be included in the show notes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share us with others and be sure to follow us so you won't miss an episode. 
And we'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment or rating and connect with us on social media or on our website at hopeonthehardroad.org.